ground. And this either-or political question that he was faced with was the most controversial political question you could imagine at that time. And it was also a controversial political question because in everybody's thinking, there was only one right answer. It was this or it was this. Now, some people thought there there wasn't a right answer, but Jesus was being pressed with this question, and he was on the spot. Have you ever been asked that question in the last month or so? Who are you voting for? Right? And they, they gave you the steely gaze like, yeah, I'm going on Facebook right after I talk to you, and I'm going to slander your name because of the answer you gave me. Jesus was in that sort of spot. And we're going to look at this story, and uh, the thing we're going to see is how he handled the situation is vastly different than the way almost most of us handle it today. And the, and the situations are strangely similar. And you've, many of us know this passage, so I think it's, it's familiar enough that uh, when I read it, you're going to grasp it pretty easily. It's in Matthew chapter 22. So if you have a Bible with you, we're going to read Matthew chapter 22. It starts in verse 15. If you don't have a Bible, by the way, under the chair seats in front of you, there's paperback Bibles. You're welcome to, to use those, and you're welcome to take them home or take one with you to give to somebody else. Christmas is coming up. Kids, this is a great gift for your neighbor. And it doesn't cost you anything. Okay, then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. So they're going to trap Jesus. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Now I want to ask you a question. Uh, just, just kind of make this fun because uh, we, we, need, we need to do something to lighten up the mood here. Whenever I say Pharisees, I want you guys to go, boo, yes. Okay? All right, so let's do it. Let's practice. Pharisees. You have to, you have to also, okay. Now, whenever I say Herodians, boo, hiss, okay. But let's do it this way. Whenever I say Pharisee, this side of the room, you do the booing and hissing, okay. Whenever I say the Herodians, this side of the room, you do the booing and hissing, okay. Would you do that? So, in practice again, Pharisees, boo, okay, good. Herodians, boo, okay. Now I want you to know, <laughs> actually, in these. In this story, there, there's, a, there's a, a pretty close parallel between liberals and conservatives. So I'm going to give you a chance to like vent a little bit here. And no one will know who you're going to vote for or who you're venting at. But just, you know, we just got to help you let some of the steam off here before the Lord's presence. Okay. So he says, uh, they sent their disciples to him along with Herodians. Okay. Teacher, they said, we know you're a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by men because you pay them no attention. Excuse me, you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? There's the, that's the controversial question. And I'll explain why it was so controversial in a second if you don't already know. But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said... You hypocrites. Why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. So someone 
finds a coin for him, and he, you know, he, he holds it up. And they brought him a denarius, and he asked him, whose portrait is this? And he showed him on the front of it. And they said, and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, give to Caesar's what is Caesar's, and give to God what is God's. When they heard this, they were amazed. They just went, ooh, that was a pretty good answer. And they left him and went away. I don't know where they went away to, but they went away somewhere. So here's, here's the story again. Let's, let's look at it. There's two groups of people, the Pharisees and the Herodians. Uh, you guys are a little more. Yeah. I wonder which one you're thinking of when you're saying that. Okay. So these two groups were trying to trap Jesus by, they were trying to co-opt him to their side. You see, if they got Jesus, who was immensely popular, to say, you should pay taxes to Caesar, it would strengthen their side, but it would also hurt their, their opponents. And they both, both of these groups, the Pharisees, And the Herodians, they both saw Jesus as a threat to their nation and as a threat to their own interests. So they go at Jesus trying to trap him, trying to ensnare him, trying to trick him, right? And they flatter him and they set him up. And so the Herodians... Wow, it's getting weak. Maybe. I won't say it for a little while. Okay, you're, you're running out of like, uh, where's all the vinegar I see on Facebook? You know, gosh. <laughs> Those people of whom we won't name, they, the Herodians, they supported... <laughs> the Herodians, this is getting fun now. Okay, this is a, this is a party. They supported Rome... And they were named after King Herod, and King Herod was a political appointee, and the Herodians were these, all these people who were in bed with Rome. But here's the thing. They saw the peace and the prosperity that came with Roman rule, and they said, this is a good thing. There's, this, is, this is really what people need. Instead of these constant wars and constant upheaval, it's, it's hard on business when there's uncertainty and you can't travel and on and on and on. So they saw Rome as a positive in their environment. Now, truth be told, they benefited from Roman rule. They had connections and, and they were people that... that Made, uh, made out pretty well because Rome was in charge and because of their connections. Now, the Pharisees, they rejected the, le- the legitimacy of the Roman government because they said, listen, look at this coin. It has Caesar on it. And they worship Caesar as the son of God. And we won't have any of that because there's only one true God and he's not human. We serve only the God, the one true God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so we reject Rome because it's evil and it's corrupt. And and sure, there's some peace and prosperity, but what's the cost? 
to the peace and prosperity that Rome brings. We don't like it. And so, and also, the, you know, truth be told, uh, I, I was doing some reading this week about what it cost to be occupied by Rome, and uh, several scholars went back in the ancient records and just scoured writings to try to, to, to find out what was it like to live under Roman occupation with respect to taxes. And what they found was the average Jewish citizen was paying between 45 and 50% of their income to taxes, everybody, from poorest to richest. So they weren't very happy about this. So, so one group got this, another group was paying this. And, but I want you to notice something. This is the issue, okay? This is the issue, this coin, so Jesus asked for the coin, and he, what he did was he exposed where they both missed it, because neither of them were really right. And he, his answer, another way, you could, another way you could rephrase it, if you want to say this is the point of what I'm trying to say is, Jesus said, give God and Caesar, or God and government, what they're due. Give God and give government the loyalty that they're due. And that may sound simple. <laughs> it wasn't simple back then. It isn't simple today. And it's, it's not just that it's not simple. It's not easy. Both groups made two fundamental mistakes. And they're, they're really easy to see. The first fundamental mistake they made was they didn't understand, neither of them, the proper role of government. And Jesus was standing there with a coin in his hand, about to explain it to him in one sentence. Give God and Caesar their proper loyalty. Give God and government their proper loyalty. But he said, one gets everything and one gets something. And both people choked on that idea because both groups, the Pharisees and the Herodians, both of them didn't understand what government was about. So the mystery of Caesar, which is on this coin, listen carefully to me. The mystery of Caesar, and I, I titled this talk, Resetting the Mystery of Caesar. The mystery of Caesar is that God only works through flawed people. Just sit with that for a second. God made us in his image long ago. And his plan was, I'm going to create image bearers who can steward a whole world and everything that's in it. They will create a system of managing what I've made. And I'm going to gift some of them with this kind of gift and this kind of ability and this kind of wisdom. And they're going to work together and create systems that manage their relationships and, and their lives together. And then the fall came and sin entered the world. <laughs> 
And all those good abilities became twisted and, and they were made crooked and they were misused. But all that's left is God and his plan and his purpose to have a world in which we inhabit his image bearers, but we're all flawed. And the only government that we're ever going to have is flawed. And the Jewish people struggle with that their whole existence up to this day. They struggled with living under God's ordained human governments, whether they were their own governments or whether they were pagan governments that had conquered them and were ruling over them. They struggle with it from get to go, just like we do. And this mystery that God only uses imperfect people is what gets stuck in our throat. All of us, both sides. The Herodians, <laughs> there's not as much anger now that you're starting to get the teaching, I can see. It's starting to kind of drain out. Wow, maybe there's something more I need to think about here. The Herodians, they rightly saw, <laughs> it's so pathetic. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, I hope you vote more like enthusiastically on Tuesday than the booing and hissing right now. They supported this powerful government, but they benefited from it. But they were willing to overlook some of the broken eggs. You know, like to make an omelet, you've got to break some eggs. They were willing to allow some injustice, but they didn't want to ruffle feathers because it might affect, you know, their, their situation. That was a mistake. Because that isn't what image bearers do. Image bearers do respect the government that God has made, but they also challenge it and speak power to it. Then there was the other group, whose name will not be mentioned, because I'm tired of hearing Boone hissing right at this moment. <laughs> this group rejected Rome completely because they were unjust and you know they were... Uh, polytheistic, they were idolaters, they didn't worship the one true God, plus they always asked for the coin. They always wanted more of this from you. And frankly, they didn't want to get more. And they had a history. In fact, if you go back through the Old Testament, you will see how much the Jewish people struggled with believing that God would rule through an imperfect system. There's a whole book in the Bible called Haggai, I'm sorry, Habakkuk, where the Jewish people are in exile and they are suffering violence under the hands of the Babylonians and they're going, God, how long are we going to suffer under these, this cruel, unjust government? The Babylonians, they're violent, they're vile, they're horrible. Uh, where are you? And God says, I raised them up to discipline you. And they are my chosen instrument right now. And, and Habakkuk goes, what? What? God, how can you use people like that? And he says, I, that's all I have to work with. 
but they will be held accountable for how they've acted. And in their pride and arrogance, they will be brought low eventually because I will not allow anyone to misuse the authority and power I give without there being consequences. Uh, Donna, uh, several of us that pray in the morning here, most every morning, one of the things we prayed for the last couple of years is God expose wrong in our government. And if people are just taking shots at politicians because they just don't like them as politicians and it's unfair and unjust, then expose that. And it's crazy how we'll pray and we'll, we'll talk afterwards. Gosh, it just, you just see unjust things being exposed. Our system of government is full of injustice. It's, it, that's, that's, it's always going to be full of injustice. That doesn't mean we're supposed to tolerate it. But the, fair, the, the, the Pharisees, thank you, they, they didn't want to see that God could work through a flawed and perfect system. And we have the these, these same division today. It's the same binary thinking, either or. Either you pay taxes to Caesar or you don't. Does that sound familiar? You vote for Trump or Hillary or two of the other crazy wacko people, right? That, you just, that, that's, that's, that's the description. And truth be told, we're going to have a president that comes from one of those four people. And we're going to see again that God works through imperfect people. Only through imperfect people. And sometimes from ungodly imperfect people. Imperfect isn't a great modifier for, some, for all the candidates that we have today. Right? It's, uh, imperfect would be the most polite way of saying, uh, describing the candidates that are on the ballot for the president today, in my opinion. So, here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to reimagine the possibilities of Caesar. Real simply, I want you to reimagine this. Because Jesus stood between these two groups with a coin in his hand, the symbol of government, and we know he was the one who came and, and the government rested on his shoulders. But just for a second, for, for our sakes, I want to ask you to imagine, because Jesus was asking them to imagine when he held that coin up and said what he said, he was saying there's another way besides this binary choice. He held a coin up, and he embodied this other way. And this is what I said a couple of weeks ago when I talked about ecclesia and what the church is. He, he said, this whole other way is built on me. Don't get caught in the trap of thinking there's not another way to do things than the way we're doing them. Give to God and government, government their proper loyalty. Liberals. No booing and hissing either here. <laughs> Try to imagine creative solutions that don't involve government. Conservatives. Try to imagine solutions that involve government creatively. Here's Jesus standing in the middle. 
for our system of government to work, we have to operate with respect and humility. When Jesus confronted these two parties, just like Jesus is standing in our midst today with the coin in his hand that everybody's fighting over, because this is what it comes down to. It comes down to the coin. And Jesus said this coin, a lot of his teachings, he pointed out that what you do with this coin shows if you really trust God or not. Do you understand that? And the, the two ways that both groups were wrong was they both misunderstood government and they both were unwilling to trust Jesus. They were arguing about the coin, but Jesus saw through right from the get-go. He saw their evil intent. They were justifying the fact that they didn't really trust God with all their God talk. Because here's the funny thing. On one side of the coin is Caesar. On the other side of the coin was and, and, and many of the coins that were minted by Rome, on the other side of their coins were uh, different kinds of inscriptions that, that represented the imperial cult. And the imperial cult was, was the temple worship and the, the priests and priestesses and the goddess of peace that Rome worshipped that said, the gods of whom our Caesar is, is the son of God or the gods... We have a temple that, that honors him and we worship, if we worship him appropriately and we worship the gods appropriately, then God will bless our nation with harmony and peace and prosperity. And the, so they were very religious too. They were very spiritual in a broken way. They didn't want the embodiment of what they were seeking in front of them, the embodiment of everything that, that's good about government, uh, of what government could be, can, can, we, can we agree that if it was wise, if it was good, and if it was powerful, in the best sense of the word, and good meaning just, that, that that would be a wonderful thing to live under a government like that. Yet there was the embodiment of goodness and wisdom and power standing in front of them holding this coin he didn't even have any money so he didn't have a dog in this hunt he was showing them this third way this other way that wasn't this binary choice that everyone falls into foolishly and he says to the Pharisees oh, yes. this is one of you okay thank you you can do it now he says to the Pharisees, listen, you guys think you worship God. You really don't. He busted them because they were selfish and they were materialists and they were greedy. But they used God all the time. God, God, God. They tied. They, they went to their gardens and they, when their, their herbs would produce and grow, they would trim 10% off of them and put them in a, some kind of little container and take them to the temple. But they neglected all these really important things like justice and righteousness and generosity and caring for their elderly parents and on and on and on. But boy, they were great about, for God's sake, trimming those herbs and tithing off that. But they withheld their hearts because they made enough money that they could give 10% and they didn't sweat it. And then they just gave. It was just virtue signaling. 
It was just look at me. They would walk into where the, 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 the coffers or the temple were and they'd throw their money in it. But sometimes they would have people go in front of them and, and get everyone's attention to see how much they were throwing into it. But at heart, they loved this. They didn't love, not that they didn't love Caesar. <laughs> they didn't love Caesar. But they loved money more than they loved God. And what we trust in will always be revealed by how we spend our money. Do you understand that? If you're going into debt to buy things you don't need, let me, let me tell you something. Everything you do, you do for a reason. All of us. It may not be a good reason. It may not be a reason we're aware of. But they're in the choice you make, particularly buying stuff, that you're not doing it for a reason. And it's no coincidence that we call shopping retail therapy because you feel good when you come home with bags in your hands and plastic boxes to open even though they're incredibly frustrating to try to get open sometimes (laughs) what you're doing is you're saying I'm going to buy something I feel so bad I'm going to to affect my mood or I'm going to affect my self-image, or I'm going to affect my esteem and my neighbors and colleagues' perspective by buying things and dressing a certain way and driving certain things and living in a certain place and wearing certain kinds of bling. But that's the shallowest kind of image of ourselves to portray. That, that, that's meaningless. And Jesus was nailing both these groups of people by saying, you guys, you don't trust God. And he was standing there. He didn't even have any money. The one who was at the Father's right hand, who made everything, who owned everything, he had emptied himself completely. And he was standing really in, in the spotlight and under duress, trying to be humiliated put in this terrible position, and he didn't even have any money when they were arguing. He said, someone give me a coin. He became poor that we might be provided for, that we might even become rich through him. And he's standing there and saying, let me explain to you. You guys really don't trust me. You don't, the the Pharisees said that they trusted God, that the Herodians said they trusted God, but neither of them really did because they were all arguing about this. And truth be told, in church, people tell me that they don't like to hear so much about money in church. A church like ours, we just don't do that. We don't do it. And if someone comes in and they hear us talking about money here, they have a problem with greed or selfishness or something with money, insecurity, fear, whatever. But even if a church talked about it every week, let me tell you something. Our country has a problem with money. We're the richest nation that's ever existed, and yet we're more in debt than we've ever existed. That means we're spending our money on things we shouldn't be spending it on for foolish reasons that ultimately comes back to us. And so... What Jesus is offering, he was, what he was offering them, and, and it's just ironic that they couldn't see it. Now, when he gave them this, this point, he said, let me read it, let me find it again. Give to God and government their proper loyalty. When 
when he stood there and hold that, held that coin up and they, it says they were all amazed. It's like, this is the thing. That, this is what the grace of God does. The grace of God, when you hear the truth, brings you to this point where you can, you're, the, the thrall of the lies that you've been living under are broken. And all of a sudden, there's this balance. You're not just blind. Like they were blind. They were blinded. Their eyes were covered. Then Jesus spoke. Their eyes were opened, and then they had to make a choice. What he said was amazing. They went, oh, it's amazing. But, but whenever it's amazing, what it means is, that Greek word means you're in awe. You see something that like is like, all of a sudden, the big picture opens up. God is personal and real. He's large and in charge, but he's right there, present with you. And an issue is on the table. And your heart is like exposed. But here's this, the, the, I think Jesus, when he held that coin up and he said that, I really think he was smiling. I think he just looked at all of them with this love and mercy and compassion because that's what, that's who Jesus was. And he just looked at them and, and he helped them to see something that they couldn't see before, that they, were, that they were enslaved to the love of money. They were enslaved to fear. They were enslaved to deception. And Jesus opened their eyes and it says they were amazed and you feel, when, you, when, when God's speaking to you, you feel something. There's something going on in your heart. And you go, this is for me. It's like I'm having this little personal moment. God knows me. And he's speaking to me. And, and a number of you are having it right now. And what Jesus is saying is he's saying to you, he's holding a coin up and he says, do you really want to love this and trust this? Or anything else but me? Here I am, the one who owned everything, and I left it all for you. And I, and I showed you, I have nothing, but the Father is provider for me, and I'm the happiest person in the world, and I'm, I'm the best person that's ever lived because I trust the Father, and my life is, is significant beyond anything that anybody could imagine, and yet I'm just a person like you. I've emptied myself of all my glory and my power and my money and everything and all my ownership and I became just like you. But in fact, I became less than you. I've given it all up. You guys are arguing over paying some taxes. I don't even have the money to pay the taxes. But yet, I trust the Father. Will you follow me and embrace me, my way of life, and trust me? Don't trust this anymore. Trust me. Jesus said, you can't serve God in this, God in anything. And so we get in these moments where what we trust in is being exposed. But we don't have a scowling, frowning Jesus. Oh, look at you. What are you doing, you fools? He's not like that. He's holding the coin up in this humility that it's almost breathtaking. And he just invites them, give God your life. And respect government, even imperfect government, because you respect me. 
because I'm in that government. I'm working through that government, and if it's wrong, I will deal with it. And it doesn't mean we can't, you know, I don't, P.S., doesn't mean we can't challenge government and, and protest and speak truth to power and all that. That's what we're supposed to do. But in this moment, the thing we have to settle is, am I battling over the coin? And in this situation, they were. So, Jesus says, if you will open up your heart to him and follow him, the Father will take care of you just the way he took care of Jesus. And everything that Jesus has will be given to you, and he will begin to live inside you as a way of life. You'll have resources to live that, that you can't have on your own. The best day of your life, you can't even come close to what Jesus wants to be in you and through you. And if you embrace this idea that he's saying, when he holds the coin up for you like this, and and the coin might be something else for some of you. There might be something else in your life that's the issue with him. But he's holding some representation up to you, and he's smiling at you, and he's saying, I got something better for you than this. I will give you this, but I'm going to give you even more. I'll give you myself. And that's the gospel. That's supposed to shape us. That is supposed to free us, and it, does, and it has, if you, if you embrace it. You, it, it you, can, you can be free to a degree that you never thought was possible. I grew up in a real, real middle-class home, and then as I grew up, my parents started making you know, a fair amount of money, and I, wouldn't, I wasn't caught up in money, but you know, I knew what it, what it was worth and what it could, could buy. But I remember when I met Jesus, something changed in my heart, and it just became less important to me. And, and I, I, my family was very status conscious in many respects. I think some, for some reason, because my mom's side of the family really came from dirt poor background. And, and my mom and dad, neither of them had uh, you know, finished college. Uh, but they both succeeded. <laughs> they, they were very successful in their lives. But I caught wind of that status thing. I caught wind of that stuff. But st- somewhere along the way, Jesus worked in my heart, and it didn't matter anymore. And I was just having breakfast with someone recently, and they told me, because years ago when we used to do a lot of ca- ministry around the Ohio State campus, when we planted our church in the Ohio State area, I remember this young couple we led to Christ, and I was having breakfast with them recently, and, and this, the, the young guy, the, he's not a young guy anymore, but when he was a young guy, he, he told me, he said, you know, when you, when, when you told me about Jesus, and he was raised around the church, but he'd never really met Christ personally, he met Christ personally, he said, when you told me about Jesus, he said, I started watching you, and he said, I'd never seen any, like, church, like, the church that you guys had. It was this, you know, small group, 40, 50 people, and we all lived in the short north. Back when the short north wasn't cool, it was, used to be a really dangerous place to live in, and uh, now it's really cool. You know, it's like everybody goes down there for all the, the uh, artsy, crafty food stuff, but uh, back in the day, it was another kind of place. And he said, one day, when you were at the campus and uh, you were preaching and stuff, he said, I noticed you had Jordash jeans on. And he said, and, it, and he said, and so I thought, oh, this guy's, he's the head of some kind of cult. And he's into money. And he said, so I asked you that day, 
uh, can I go over to your house? And he said, when I went over to your apartment, he said, I immediately realized he's not into money. <laughs> you know, he, I looked at all the furniture and it was like, I didn't want to sit in some of it. <laughs> it looked like you'd gotten it, you know, in the alleys, you know, dumpster diving. We had some of it. <laughs> and you just, you had people living with you and you weren't into money. And he said, and I just thought, there really are people like this. And it, was, and it wasn't because I hadn't been into money or it didn't matter at all. It's just Jesus had done something in my heart that he can do in anybody's heart. But you have to be willing to say, I'm not going to trust money or, or anything else but him. So I want to invite you to take the Lord's Supper today with this in mind. You know, every week I try to take you to this, to the cross, and say, whatever, wherever we teach in the Bible, whatever message that, that we offer you, it ends up here. It ends up at this table. It ends up, there's a person here. There's a person here, and he's still holding the coin, and he's inviting you to taste and see how good he is. He's inviting you to let go of things in your life that aren't worthy of of him or of you. He's inviting you to to let go of this binary either-or thinking politically. He's inviting you to understand what government's for, but he's inviting you also to, to begin to live by faith in him and not by anything else. And it doesn't mean you can't have fun. It doesn't mean you, you can't uh, have a career, make money, do all that stuff. It just means that stuff won't have you. You will have it. And there's a, there's a vast difference. But that stuff will hold you and own you, and it will twist you and make you not the best version of yourself. Unless you keep coming to Jesus and keep letting him change you and deepen his character and likeness in your life by, by opening your heart up to him like that song we sang. That, uh, Jason, if you, you're still here. If you could just play that in the background again. You know, there's nothing we want more than his presence. His presence in our lives. And we are made, like, like Paul said, we are made these earthen jars to be filled with this treasure of his presence that he will live in, that he will work through. However imperfect we are, he still accepts us and loves us. Again, the imperfections of the table, and, but the, the beauty of it, the, the wonder of it, the humility of it, all these facets all picture Jesus who invites us to meet him here. To, and, and then not just meet him here, but because This bread, this is the world we live in. He wants us to meet him every moment of every day in the world we live in. But we have to be willing when we hear him speak specifically to respond appropriately to him. And so what does that mean for you today? As you come and take the elements today, and the folks who are going to give out the elements, you guys could come and stand at this Head this aisle and this aisle.
What's Jesus inviting you to? Himself. So why don't you stand with me and, and we're going to take these elements and